Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Explicit Measures podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. It What's is Thursday. It's Thursday. Welcome, it's welcome to a too. Thursday. Makes for uh, makes for a discombobulated week where they have the excitement yesterday of no more school for the week. Really? And and then I'm like, yay, no more work for. Oh, no. Still yeah, gotta go to work. It's very funny because <laughs> two uh, days before the weekend. Do your kids always ask, Oh, hey, we have off school. Dad, do you work today? I'm like, work every day. <laughs> every day I work. Yeah. Every day. Like when you're an adult children, you don't understand how much you work to in order to have a house that has heat and food you can eat. And, and, and lights like that you leave on. Yeah. <laughs> the lights that you This is why. This is why dad works so hard because we have like it feels like everything nowadays is like everything costs money. Everything to do anything is like I was the other day I was talking with uh with my family. I was just like, hey, you know, I feel like everything costs money. You want to go apple picking? Money. You wanna, you know, find something to do in the weekends or money. You wanna go to a park? Money. Like I'm like, what the heck? Dude, it was it was a while ago, but I actually ran into like a park that actually had a toll thing in the front. Yeah, I was like, what? I feel like, like, I'm like, this what the, heck? the nature trail, everything. There's a playground. It's like right over there. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, Let's do a quick. Funny. I'll do a quick little teaser here, and we can talk about more intro things. So, uh, this episode on the podcast, we're going to go through a brand new article around Azure DevOps, Azure DevOps, and the integration between that and Power BI. If you're around Fabric at all, you'll notice that there has been a very deep integration between Azure DevOps and um, Git and Power BI Fabric. So Rui Romano, who is the PM for the PBIP format, has, has produced an amazing article talking through some deployment patterns you can use uh, in connecting that with Git. So that's going to be our main article for today. Uh, I wanted to know if there were any other uh, kind of topical items that Tommy, you or Seth maybe found across this week before we go uh, into our main topic. Uh, funny enough, the the deployment pipelines in that DevOps was going to be an intro. I was going to send it to you guys. I think before it was like, you know what? <laughs> this actually may deserve to be its own. I I I think you we would you would definitely we definitely agree with you, Tommy, on that one. This definitely deserves to be its own. There's there's actually two major developments that I think are that have been announced around deployment pipelines. Um, so there's a deployment pipeline for Fabric, and this is using GitHub and DevOps or Git and DevOps. Then there's another uh, release. Lee Benjamin uh, announced that there is now a deployment pipeline can go from two to ten stages. This was also released, and I think this is more of a Power BI Premium feature, not specifically a Fabric feature. So in Power BI Premium you have this concept of deployment pipelines. When it was initially released, you only had dev, test, and prod. You couldn't make more, you couldn't make less. That was all you had. And so they have now revamped the, I mean, and to Microsoft's credit here, the technology is the same. Whether you're gonna have three or four or eight environments, all of them, doesn't really matter how many you have, but now the deployment pipeline lets you have named additional deployment pipelines and you can have up to 10 environments to move reports and content through 10 environments can up you to 10 that? could you imagine yeah that'd be I, a little bit crazy like the max i've ever seen is four five like an r&d dev qa uat prod yeah i mean i could, I could understand 
stand some of them. I mean, I would have to imagine there's a lot more Idiot. testing going on when you have something large like that, but I don't, I don't know why I would need and 10. Chat, I need some help here. Like, like what is the max level of environments? Oh, what yeah. Would be the reason? I, I just, like outside of what I just labeled, I, I I wouldn't see unless you're crossing departments or something. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. I I even have somewhere. I mean, I can definitely understand the, <clears throat> the organization point of we really want like two, right? There's for for smaller. So the more or, the more levels you have, the more work it takes to move through those different environments. Right. So you know, having some some business units, right? Smaller teams might use less environments. They don't need as much, right? There's not as much testing going on. Like you kind of build something, you know, make something, you know, unique and then deploy it or, or push it out. Anyways. I love how the sentiment in chat is like, who needs more than prod? <laughs> like prod's not sufficient. Yeah, exactly. where, do you, where, do you, where do you test prod? Where, where's, where, where, what are you doing? Where is that prod? Oh, I, <laughs> like yeah. why mess around? I got it in prod. That's actually that's actually really funny because I think there's a funny T-shirt that says "I only work in prod." Like, I only, yeah, <laughs> I think I've seen that one before. I I would, yeah. Anyway, I'll just move on. <laughs> I honestly, um, even with the prod, I, I think for a lot of business intelligence analysts, like for the most teams, the just simple dev and prod, just the two uh, workspaces are going to be absolutely critical. Like, yeah. From if we're actually going to see anyone with 10, please do a user group on it. Do a session on that. Why you need 10 user groups or 10 uh, uh, deployment pipelines. 10, 10 user groups. Yeah, 10 All user groups. groups which for as unnecessary as 10 workspaces in a deployment pipeline. I, I think so in that one as well. It seems like process for process sake. Maybe something along those lines. Maybe there's just... Anyways. Be still my heart. That is Tommy's world. Oh, Tommy, maybe you should just, maybe you should create the use case for 10. <laughs> uh, I'll ask chat GPT. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if you, I think in, in my mindset, especially when I'm talking about deployment pipelines, I'm thinking about each deployment pipeline being its own, like, let's, let's imagine a deployment pipeline being a full start and a finish it's literally a, a linear line right mm -hmm. you're moving from one environment to another i could see a use case here around where you have you know dev and test and you might have like so that the two environments that where you're doing the work you might have six other and and enterprise ar is kind of speaking to this a little bit right now so i'm thinking about it you could have for each department in your organization right in deployment pipelines you can selectively pick what's being deployed into each workspace. So maybe this is an idea of like, let's think about there's a central workspace, dev and test, where all the data sets and all the reports go. And, and then you're trying to serve those group of reports out to four or five business units. So you have everything makes it to test. You can see and test the data there. And then instead of having a single endpoint, which is where my mind went, right? I'm thinking, oh, it's prod. It's a single oh, endpoint. From like one to one. Can yeah. You, can you separate out one stage yes. and break it into more? Oh. So, so imagine, imagine you okay. have in this test environment, you have all the HR reporting and the financial reporting and all the ops reporting, right? But then imagine you're deploying from test into HR workspace prod into operations prod or into HR prod, right? So now you can have 
all your reports follow the same process, dev and test. And then you can then say, okay, here's all the reports I'm going to push into this particular topic, an app that's for that team. So, so maybe the idea here is there's not one endpoint. There's like five endpoints. There's a, a dev and a test and then five prods. So maybe that's where people are thinking about this, where they would say, I can then now, so, because we always had this issue of one workspace, one app. One app. Maybe yeah. maybe we need more apps maybe, off of those maybe, workspaces. Maybe there's still a lot of uh, legacy. <laughs> I think this would be a great user group, Tommy. We should build, we should build oh, yeah. uh, worldwide use importers case, and how to deploy 10 multiple. objects. Give us more. <laughs> exactly. We need more. <laughs> <laughs> like kicking a gift horse in the mouth, right? Is that the, yeah. that the phrase? Yes, I think so. I don't think I've actually. I think I've heard that maybe a couple times. But anyways, that's a really interesting topic in and of itself. But I think this also leads us very well into the topic for today, which I'll uh, the link is in the description already, and I'll also drop the link into the chat window. So uh, an, the announcement made by Rui. Here's the link for the chat. Uh, the, the announcement made by Rui is talking about using build pipelines and how build pipelines in Azure DevOps can be used. You can, and the, the overview of the article is, it's kind of more instructional in nature, right? Connect Fabric workspaces to Azure DevOps, create and run an Azure DevOps pipeline, define your branch policies, and then create a pull request to then take your branching and push it back into the main branch, which would then deploy the reports essentially. I really like this. And I think we're, we're starting to see more investment by Microsoft. More artifacts are coming to the deployment pipelines or even this Git thing. You initially had reports and patching reports. I think they're going to add more artifacts. Like, I couldn't see why you wouldn't add the Spark notebooks in there too. It seems like a no-brainer. It's like, it's just a file. So version control that as well. I really like where they're going with this. I think this is a really good integration. Any thoughts, gentlemen, as we as we kind of walk through this one? Let me ask this question. Tommy or Seth, do you guys currently use Git to control your files? And are you really looking, are you seriously looking at using Git now that we have the PBIP format? I think we're getting there. Um, I definitely use it or have some test things, definitely not in production or anything for clients. Okay. Uh, just because it is still preview and there's still some... I've noticed some bugs if you're using one lake um, and creating a new data set off of that and then using a PBIP with Git for whatever reason. Okay. I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of issues with that, with the data source, uh, odd, odd items. But um, honestly, the idea of, at least from the data set point of view is fine, but it's going to be, it's not going to be in our normal deployment if, if you're building something in Python where you're building something uh, where it's much more code-based because whether you're doing DAX, Power Query, and then the only other really code in there would be working with the report JSON file, your, your in a sense, path or review or you know your, your testing can't really be necessarily on the code itself. It's not like, yeah, you can view it in VS Code with all the, all the Git integrations, mm -hmm. but you're probably not going through it Maybe like, like with again with uh, um, looking at change history, but not nearly like you would for editing. That's where Tableau Editor comes in. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. where other tools come in. Um, and I don't think anyone's going to be editing DAX even with the new Timdel file language. 
unless you can tell me otherwise. Uh, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Dak is the main issue for me. So let me give you where I think the PBIP format really is strong here, right? And it's, it's getting better and I think it will get better. So one thing that will make this a, a lot easier is if you think about how Power BI reports are built today, there is a single, there's a data set definition and then there's a report definition. When you have the data set, you need all the data in the data set. And this has been one of the main challenges with using anything with Git previously. And this yeah. is, I think, one of the main barriers to entry in talking Git with Power BI was in order for you to check that PBIX file in, some files get extremely large. And you're now checking in a multiple, like, let's imagine you have a 300 megabyte file. That's not out of the, out of the realm of possibility for Power BI files. You could easily have one of those with a lot of data in it. So the data portion of that file is the large portion. The stuff that I really want to version control, I could care uh, to some degree, I could kind of care less about the actual data because the file has, here's where to connect to the data. Here's how to go refresh it when you pull down the definition. Really what I care about is the couple megabytes of report pages, the definition of the data model, what are the columns named, like all the meta schema of the data, right? So the important things I want to version control, I don't really care about version controlling the data because we'll just refresh the report and get it. So to me, the, the really magic of this PBIP format is it separates out the ABF file that stores the partitions of all the tables when you're working in desktop. To me, this is the real nice, the nice secret sauce here. It's, since it's separating that away from the, the definition of the file, that's huge. Because now all of my files that I wanted to version control are now separate. This being said, there is a lot of other things that go along with this PBIP format. For example, a lot of the report.json files, it's still all in, in JSON. It's very hard to read. You know, every if you even go into a Power BI file and change one little thing, you could be changing multiple areas of that file all at once. And actually, I've heard some really big complaints from teams that are trying to use this format to, to version their files. Because changing one item in a, in a file changes so many different files all at once. Like let's say you make a new page or you add a visual or you modify some things, right? You could be adding multiple artifacts at one time directly into that file. And so that potentially becomes a problem because when you're trying to do check-ins or verification of your report via you know DevOps or a review process, that's why DevOps exists, right? Make a branch, do some changes and request that these changes get merged in. or Let's, let's also explain here, like, what happens when you have two teams working on the same stuff, right? How do you pick which, which um, individual lines are accepted or not? So to me, that's the weakness of the PBIP format right now. But I think with the Timdal format coming inside the data model side, I think that's going to, I think that will solve a lot of those problems because there's, in the Timdal format, there is a folder for like, tables, there's a folder for measures, there's a folder for the definition of the model. So you, you have the ability now to pick up individual objects or elements that describe the data model, but then you're now not having to revise one file for everything that is the BIM. You now have eight or nine or 10 files. And so now you can pick and choose what you want. Yeah. Does that make uh, sense? For, for, for some of our audience, we're like, yeah, tech talk, right? Like for others, yeah, I mean, this, this solution and what's being built is, is, squarely in the dev realm. I think these are the heavier BI teams that um, require the overhead, 
so I'm I'm happy that there's continued innovation and that this is now something that Microsoft is focusing on and Rui is putting this all together because there's immense value for some use cases. And I think like that that's where I get hung up and and no, I haven't implemented it yet. Um, because there's a, there's a, for as advanced, I think, as some BI developers and business intelligence folks who are doing Power BI reporting and building a lot of pipelines and doing all these things, they're, they're not typically also very versed in the, the hardcore dev processes that are in place that take time to to deploy something right like there's a reason there are processes and sprints and like when things stop and then whole uh, like completely different teams come in to do a deployment of code for organizations Mm -hmm. and this is kind of that process right well not kind of it is that process what you're putting in place here are the checks and balances that take time to review things before they get deployed to an environment and yep. where this makes tons of sense is and and where you might be diving into and using these these features and functionality right now are where you have customer facing reports where we've been clamoring for like a better way to do things there's just a ramp up period i think because even members on my team aren't aren't versed in these areas so that tech debt item i think is something that is certainly on on teams radars at this point of we've got to ramp up the team. We've got to figure out like how this is working. What are all the pieces? Um, Do I think it's like completely there yet? No, but like, I think it's definitely in the realm of let's start to get familiar with what's, what's going on because at some point there should be an inflection here where, you know, maybe there's a collection of third party tools or whatever to make this extremely easy. Yes. And, and simplify that process. And that's where I think this really takes off. But at this point, it's just great to see how there's continued ways in which Microsoft is providing value, is providing you know the, the information of how we navigate this ecosystem of ensuring we build a quality product, which is the report, right? So whatever the case may be, that may be. I say external customer because that's very easy to... Um, uh, kind of say hey like yeah that's really important but also i mean would it make sense from an internal perspective if you're the bi team and you're deploying reports and 90 percent of your organization is consuming data from them <laughs> yeah a screw up there is probably just as bad if not worse especially around high usage reports right so things like this that add those checks and balances i'm not saying shouldn't be in business because you know like of, of that situation I just described. You want to make sure that you go through some sort of code review and, you know, introducing something like this, a DevOps pipeline into your process, I, th- I think starts to give you peace of mind that you're running code, you're running changes, you're running things through this process where somebody is applying eyeballs on something or you're mm-hmm. testing and verifying that what you're about to deploy doesn't absolutely nuke right like a report or introduce something that is you know potentially misleading like you know a a miss in business logic or some additional last minute add-on in a dax equation or something like that 
Uh, and there's some comments here in the chat talking about, hey, Mike, you shared the link today about our conversation. And, and you'll notice everything that we're talking about here is all inside Azure DevOps. Yes, technically Azure DevOps is Git. It's a repo library. In the same way you could do this with um, GitHub. So you could do releases the same way. GitHub has a little bit different things on how they implement things like this thing called GitHub Actions. Um, but today, if you're going to use Fabric and you're going to use the um, GitHub, the Git integration, today there's no option to pick Azure DevOps or GitHub. It's only Azure DevOps. So for now, everything's only Azure DevOps. I could imagine ourselves in the future here where this could be in both places. But Seth, I, I want to lean on your, I want to lean on your your question, your comment there, uh, talking about this one. I th I think there's, I think there's multiple pattern steps here that are. I think there are multiple patterns in what we're trying to do here, right? So there is a, let's think about this in the idea of like certified and non-certified stuff, right? So I would argue any data that's coming out of that certified or governed area should probably immediately follow some sort of pipeline or review process to get those reports out. So I think when we're talking about teams that are working on certified data sets, albeit this is probably a smaller subset, of groups that are, that are doing things uh, than the broader part of the organization, right? So there's, you know, for every, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what the ratio is, but like you're going to spend a lot of effort on those handful of certified data sets and reports because you're trying to build something that's reusable and has the widest audience on that certified stuff. That's where it makes the most sense to spend your time and effort. But you also have a, you you also have probably a lot of other things invested in that. Right. Yeah, agree. Yeah. There's, there's like a, things, yeah, right. there's yeah, a yeah. data engineering team and they're they're trying to make sure the quality is in the in the upstream data potentially, right? You know, you have executives looking at things, so you've got to make sure that they're happy with the report and it looks right. Um yeah, agree there. But I'm saying to me that's a good candidate. Like if you're if you're thinking like, oh gosh, we need to have certified data sets or we're thinking about certifying things, um that is that is the portion that that is the piece of work there that um would would push me towards this get perspective. But Mike, have you gone through VS Code right now and looked at a data set? And like, like yes, you've probably scanned through the files of a PBIP in the the, the, um, the project format. But have you actually tried, in a sense, to either go through or edit something, or is it really just for the change management? And then are you going to another tool? That's the part where this I'm is a seeing, good question. Yeah, yeah, this is a good question. So. Here's here's where I think there I think there are two major needs here that are going on inside this example here. The first need is we just need backups of stuff, right? How how can I edit things in the service? How can I edit things in desktop and have both worlds have versions of the file? And if someone let's just say for example, right? Let's say for this happens all the time. If you are current your current process today would be is I'm going to go have a PBX file. I'm going to build it in desktop and I'll publish it from desktop and I'll push it to publish to the service. Everything we've been saying up until this point has been the service is a read only version of the report. And we've really discouraged people from editing or creating new reports in the service because there were occasions where you could never get that file back out. That there, there are pieces where it would only stay in the service. Now, yeah. think with me for a moment here. Our current process is take those PBX files, stick them on SharePoint. So now we have an extra bit of work around. Okay, let's go to SharePoint, pull the file out, do the work, publish it again, put the file back in SharePoint. And now we're versioning that file. Last file in wins, 
There is versions of that file, but I can't merge two files together. I can't have Tommy work on page two and Seth work on page three and then merge those changes into one file. So from a just from a backing up standpoint, I think this whole Git area makes things a lot easier or adds the capability, even for users that are not Git enabled. If you just imagine I change a file and I check it in, I change a file, I check it in. Even just that very simple action of backing things up and having it synchronized to something else, I think that's just in general valuable by itself. With you know, not using branching, not doing all these crazy things. I think there's going to be patterns that are going to need to be developed here that are, have not been talked about or communicated yet about Git. Um, I'm actually doing some substantial work around getting my head around how to best utilize Git in lieu of the context of Fabric Workspaces because companies are asking me about how do we build this? What does this look like? How do you yeah. govern this? There's a, there's a very simple use case around just make changes and have it checked in. And to the end user, all they're seeing is a button that says, hey, your files are different than what we have in GitHub. Type in what, what you changed. I changed this. Check in. Done. I mean, literally a simple check-in process. Just that by itself, I think, would be enough to add some value to organizations. Then there's a second half of this, which is a lot more around testing the quality of the report, integrating with, and what Rui points out here in the beginning of the article, he says, this article contains a lot of information. There are three open source tools you can use to check things about the quality of your, of your report. So if you really want to go in on it, you can say, I'm going to in integrate tabular editor, the best practice rules analyzer, the BPA, or yeah. PBI inspector. And these are other tools that you can add to your deployment pipeline that will, that will tell you, okay, for organizations that need a bit more process, this bolts on, and now you have the ability to assess the report side and the data set side for best practices. And I think the, that's something that I think your common business user would not need. And but, that's where my mind goes. Yes. And, and maybe, like, I think you dialed me back when we first started talking about this too, right? Because yeah. there, is a, there is a simple approach here. Yep. Purely for that versioning. Purely for, hey, disaster recovery. Yep. Like you just deployed something, revert it. It's going to be yep. a lot faster through this process, right? Or what is it that you need to revert? Yep. And I, I always think about like the extended, oh, well, if I'm going to if I'm going to introduce this process, I must mean that I'm going to introduce like validating and checking what I'm deploying. Yeah. I suppose that isn't necessarily the case. You could just sure. check in, deploy, right? Again, that's my point here is there's two audiences that this is trying to address, right? There's the simple, just get a backup file and just check it in. And then there's the whole like full bore IT grown up process. We're going to have a whole bunch of check. Like there's a whole bunch of extra work that can go on other parts of this. If you have reports going to customers, yeah, for sure, those should be certified. For sure, they should have some standard checks and processes. Like the fact that we can now bolt on these other tools that are more automation in nature all this is doing is adding a lot of rich rule creation or rule automation around the de the DevOps experience. Yeah. Business users, I think, would not be comfortable writing, I mean, even myself, like I would consider myself very technical. I have not had a lot of success with Tabular Editor, Best Business Practice Rules, and PBI Inspector yet. And again, I'll, no, I'll point out here, PBI Inspector is brand new. This is a brand new tool that's been developed by Microsoft, uh, a Microsoft employee. Um, I think his name is that uh van something i can't remember the name off the top of my head but anyways his tool's brand new and and his tool works with building rules about the report 
here's here's a rule engine and you can run those rules against the report side. So PBI Inspector is absolutely quite impressive and adds a lot of capability here. But myself, I haven't had a, a large amount of success implementing these tools because I hadn't spent the time to really dive in and figure out, okay, how do I best integrate those tools? When do I uh, fail a build? When do I fail a deployment? Because the rules are not met. There's something that's incorrect in those processes. It's anyways, that's, that's, that's a, maybe a topic for later or another day, but. So Mike, cool I think stuff. I got something that you're not going to like. Um, I just sent a link in our internal chat and it's the best practices for the life cycle of um, just basically dealing with any, uh, the end of sentence life cycle management best practices. Their okay. steps they're saying with the deployment pipelines is everyone who's working on a data center report, everyone creates their own workspace yeah. in Power BI. Yes, that's correct. It's going to connect to I'm Git. Not, I'm, not dis I'm not disagreeing with this. So you want to disagree with this. So you're going to have a mm. development workspace, testing workspace, production, and then each person has their own workspace. Okay. So, so okay. So this is, this is the point around how does this going to work? Right. So mm -hmm. today, the way they built the workspaces, a workspace is only tied to a single branch called main. What this is describing to me is saying, look, if the main branch is the development environment, you're going to be need you're going to need to take branches of that and do things with it. What Microsoft is doing here is they're basically building an entire they're basically recommending if you need to branch something, if you need to do your own work on the data. You should create your own workspace named like whatever working, you want. It's like working local. Yeah, it's like working local. You're building your own separate workspace, a local, call it a local workspace. You're building everything you need in that local branch. So you you still use the, the fabric experience. You still do all the build that you need. And you you grab, um, you know, you make your, your separate branch off of main. Once you're done, you essentially would kill the workspace and just delete it. It's just a throwaway piece. So everything they're describing in this article, the whole workspace that the developer is working on specifically is throwaway. I'm not quite sure how I feel about this. It totally makes sense as to why they're doing it. I think I have some mental adjustments to make in my mind because to your point, Tommy, right? I'm not comfortable with having lots of developers just spinning up workspaces but if that's what they need to build and develop in, and they're never sharing it with anyone else, so why, why do you say why, why do you say like they'd be spooling up workspace? Because one, to... yeah, because the pattern is you can only have one workspace linking to one branch of your pipeline. Sure, you can't easily be, switch between it. That could just mean personal workspace. You can't link to personal workspaces. You you're, can't. You're not taking a branch and dropping it into personal. So work. You, so, you'd create your own personal dev workspace so you would literally separate okay yeah you would create a workspace called you know mike dev whatever mm -hmm. and then you would say okay i'm going to go to this branch or make a new branch on that code and then i would create an entire brand new copy of dev i could pull all the artifacts down if i needed to where my mind goes with this tommy is how do you how do you handle data things right how do you how do you handle the data like so everything we're talking here is the definition of the files and the the objects yeah. and the pieces like what happens if this if you're trying to copy down an entire data lake how does that how is how is that supposed to work right you can virtualize the data i could link to the data that's in in i could have all these shortcuts appear so i'm not quite sure how all the artifacts work yet i think i think there's some work there from the data side of things on how to make that run smoothly anyways 
that's where my mind goes on this one. I mean, if a, a data aside, I understand why they're recommending this one. It, it definitely, in my mind, it changes a bit of how I would think to build these environments. Another pattern that you could use here, Tommy, so that's, this is what Microsoft is recommending here. I don't know if it makes sense to, to do that or if it makes sense to have multiple branches where you have a main branch that would represent prod and you have separate branches for test and dev. And in those branches, you do the work and then you promote code changes between the different branches until you get to production and then everything gets merged into production. So I don't, I don't know how that's going to work out yet, but it, there's a lot to think through this because this is very new to the business. And I think that's the word here because like with the, with the get idea there with the isolated workspace, which everyone's connected to the, um, uh, from the branching, like we talked, Seth has said this a few times, you cannot expect people um, or the majority of like, if you let's, were to say them, let's just say I have low expectations. You have low expectations. You cannot expect people to truly go through and be an expert at Git while also doing Power BI. That is such a subset. It's, this is great. But when you think about the um, really the opportunities for what teams this, these are, uh, whether or not you'd even want to implement this right away. Like what teams are we talking about? We're talking about enterprise. We're talking to someone highly focused on IT. I, would you say we're, we're working with anyone that's on the on the uh, spoke or the from the managed self-service side? Or I, because I don't think so. Um, the spoke side. So you're saying would, would this, so if you're talking about hub and spoke models, or approaches to the to a running organization, right? The hub is the central BI team, and then you have all the spokes of the departments that would be handling or managing their own things. Mm -hmm. You're saying, is there any use case for this in those spoke areas? Is that kind of your question? That's exactly what I'm, yeah. So in my two use cases, the simple use case of just simply checking things in and out, just making changes on files, publishing them as normally, just checking things in and out, yes. To me, that makes sense. So the, the spokes would use the simple version, the simple method to be able to just check things into a Git repo. On the other side of this, I think the central BI team would do the more elaborate process. The centralized team would be more technical in nature, and they would be focusing more on quality reports, centralized reporting, certified things, and that's where you add all these extra, you know, PBI inspector, tabulator, editor, best business practice analyzer, that's where those tools, I think, apply themselves. Where where do you see, I, I mean, I can generalize here, but if, if, if you have a company that is not as far along in their data, data journey, right? And you're just introducing Power BI, or there's, there's a little usage, right? You might have a, a centralized team that's starting to share things with the wider audience. Um, is there a difference, Mike, in your approach with a company at that level versus um, way down the road, like high, high data culture? Like everybody knows how to how to generate Power BI reports that are going to create them, right? Okay. There's a process. There's you've got a lot of artifacts. You've got a lot of great things going for you in regards to a lot of people getting the data they need and developing their own reports, right? Like, is there a difference? between which of those organizations you would start to recommend go down this route? Or are you saying like right out of the gate, you should start training your users how to do this? 
I think the training to do just check in, check out would be pretty easy. I think that's, I think honestly, I think the value of what you're doing here is good just from that in nature. And the reason I say that, I think that portion is easy to train on. It's literally a red button that appears. You click but you the red also, button when it's you red. Also, you also then are saying that like they're not creating their own workspaces and things. You have to go configure things for them because mm -hmm. they're not going to understand any of what you're trying to tell them to do through this process. Um, you can't like, it, I'm not trying to follow your logic there. Here, here, here's, here's my point. I'm a business user. I'm interested in developing my own reports for myself and my team. Yep. I'm brand new to Power BI. Okay. I can click publish. That sends my report to a place I can share it. I'm sure. done. Yep. Why? No problem. Why do I have to go through all these other steps that you're telling me to do? Why do you, why do you keep thinking such a, a hard wait? I think you're overestimating how hard this is. It's not hard. You're overestimating the whole idea. So, yeah, okay, let's let's extend your let's extend, extend your scenario. How many times does that business unit to, need to figure out that someone overwrote the report and they blow away all their changes before they start saying, "Oh, that doesn't work well." How many times does someone go in and edit the not, report? And it's not the, they're like the likelihood of somebody else touching their report. They don't they don't work on a team. This isn't a BI team. This is a person. There's a, there's going to be a team of people. So okay, let me give you my observations here. Then my observations is there's very few workspaces that just have a team of people in it or a person who's using a workspace to share things to their group. Most business units do not understand this. Almost every time I walk into an organization, they just add a crap ton of admins and members mm -hmm. into a workspace yeah. and they're all mucking with stuff all the time. So one, that's, so one first thing is if you're giving business units workspaces like this and you're just saying, here you go, and they don't have go. any process or plan around who's what in that workspace, one, yeah. that's a miss. So already that's a miss from the central BI team. They didn't do their job on educating the team as to what is an app, how to distribute content, and how to get the right users in that. There should be one admin, maybe one member as a backup, and then there should be a whole bunch of people as contributors. And contributors are not there to look at the reports. They're only there to make mm -hmm. stuff. They're there to build things. You so know, to me, you're already yeah. you're already missing the first point there is because you're you've already put I asked a question problems. i'm not missing anything well i'm, I'm just, just saying asking a question if, so <laughs> the other thing here i'm looking at too is if you're going to be doing this many companies have and i think someone in the chat was um uh uh darren was talking about this as well their company doesn't let their teams make workspaces mm -hmm. so when you're so there is this idea and i have a work with a lot of organizations that they don't let people make workspaces they're going to give you the workspaces and you have a form to fill out to request your workspace so in doing that there should be and i think in processes that i've built for companies there's a training exercise here's what the workspace sure. is here's the here's the rules of the road oh and by the way since i'm central bi and i'm setting up your workspace i'm going to turn on this thing called fa fabric or not i'm going to turn on git or not if it's in premium and then you you now train that team and say, look, we're going to turn this on. Here's how you use this. And then if they choose not to use that, no problem, not not an issue. But I will set up a Git repo to that workspace. I would set it up from the central IT space because that allows me to, by default, track and store changes on things. So yeah. that way they're not, um, that way there are, when this occurs, because it will occur, someone overwrites some data, something goes bad, or um, someone edits a report in the service, and now someone in desktop is trying to get that information back down, 
there's going to be some disconnects there that are going to cause some challenges and problems. And so to me, you know, I will work on that educational part just to give them the bare minimum to integrate this. Cause I think the mm -hmm. upside of this, as they become more comfortable, I mean, let's imagine six months, a year, the road down from, from now, there may be actually some really solid use cases around that business unit, just having that built in. I, I agree. I think, I think the value add here too, though, is in something to think about, even in, in those different arenas is you're, you would already be training those business owners on a whole set of processes prior to that, which is like, okay, yeah. the only way you get version control is if you, sh if you save your file in SharePoint and then yep. when you're in SharePoint, yeah, totally. like, you're doing so it. Like, yes. what mm -hmm. other steps are you already doing and introducing to get that level of like version control? Yes. And if we can put that up near the place where you're you doing the work, you just don't do anything. You don't deploy anything yes. unless it goes through this process. And that's the last check that we're going to do before yeah. we send it. It make that makes a ton of sense. And, I, and, and I see, I mean, I see with this feature, so I could see the writing on the wall here, maybe, and maybe you might disagree, you might agree, you might disagree. I think with this Git integration, you could essentially kill the whole SharePoint process. I think you get rid of it. I think, I think this deletes the idea of having individual files saved inside SharePoint. This, um, this is the, no longer the needed. Only, the only side argument I would have with that is, um, I think the centralization of PBIX files is an important thing. Like every, everybody on teams or everybody in a location should have access to the things that are out there. Totally agree. But that's the whole, so I agree with you, Seth, hundred percent, but that's also, so things, yes, but you rely upon the user to correctly mm -hmm. store the right files 100%. in an organized way to do 100%. that. You are. Yeah. But what I'm saying here is I, I, that statement, I love your statement. It's so good. The Git integration makes that even easier because now you actually have control. So imagine you have hundreds of workspaces. Hundreds of workspaces could be centralized into one Git repo, or you could have inside DevOps, you can have these things called projects and you yeah. can build projects out by individual teams. And so now, now you really do have a central trackable location for all those files, no matter what. And whether or not the user follows it or not, as really long as it gets point, turned though. in, but as, but as you, all the as, files are stored and, and, sure. and there. But if you, you extend that too, then you really don't care where people are building reports no, because potentially, yes. right, like we yes. could be building reports in the service here pretty soon. What if we have? So well, at that point in time, yeah. at that point in time, when you run into the company, who, which of you ran into it, where everything they were building was in the service? <laughs> oh like, yeah. Whoa, I, whoa, whoa. Can, time out. Get it back in. Get yeah. it, literally. Get it. <laughs> like get it. But, but that's, but my point is like, I think to me, to that point, like, right now we are really talking about centralized reporting. Now we're really talking about, okay, request to request a workspace. We'll set up the get for you. It automatically mm -hmm. happens to the business unit. They don't have to do anything. All they do is just create reports, publish things, no problem. And then the, the, the amount of training comparatively, right? SharePoint store files versus check in, check out in the program that's already there with a couple button clicks, I would argue it's actually easier to use the Git integration than to start working with people to like where to upload and download files from. Yeah. So th that's kind of train. my main argument. Get on the train. Get on the so, train. so that's why I want to perspective, give perspective to this. Like there is a simple and there's a complicated version of this. Okay. And so now the game is, okay, cool. We understand the simple version. Simple versions built into, into PowerBI.com. Love it. What about the what about this next stage of the game? 
Like what are, what happens when we're talking about PBI inspector and tether editor and best business practice analyzer? Those tools require so much IT support. Who's going to come out with a solution that makes that part super easy and clickable just like in desktop? To me, that's going to be amazing because that's going to what that's going to do it's going to take a very technical topic and bring that closer to where those simple business users are simply using check in check out so i think yeah. there's a path here where i think technology there's a lot will of, get better yeah well I, it, let's hope right <laughs> right but, but i can but i think i think that's my I point think, i i think the the thing i love about this right is this this opens the door to a lot more things we can do and if we know anything, if if we know this, but everybody else may not, like Microsoft is an enabler, right? Like they don't build every single feature or all of the UIs. Oh, totally. Or whatever. Like there's just a whole the infrastructure. ecosystem yes. of businesses and, you know, it's a large part of this consulting, <laughs> but uh, of tools and third-party things. Like there's an ecosystem on all their products where yep. there's this wide space of these solutions that simplify a user experience or um, provide insights that you could go custom build yourself, but they, you know, this, this other company did. And I think like to your point, Mike, this does open the doors to a, a, a huge feature capability. Yeah. It's just, it's just how do you engage more users into it? And I do, That's, I do yeah. agree with you from the standpoint that um, if you're going to teach one process, and there's a simple path into this, then that would be something that you you would probably you'd want to introduce early and often, so that you don't find yourself in a catastrophic phase where it's like somebody deleted my something, my report. Where where's that last version? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Where's the where's the one that you deployed? I don't know. That was Sue. She left three months ago. <laughs> like, right. Oh, what SharePoint was it? Which version of the file was yeah. it? Like I don't know. Like and and now you need things like okay, well, what do, what's in the service? And did someone edit it? Are, are people yeah. now editing Sue's report in the service? Where did that come from? Like so. Yeah. And a, I, I think yeah. it's it's the 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 win on the business side is going to be, is it still easy to do? Is it still simple to get my things out the door? Because I have less interest in your technical jargon, right? Yep. I don't care about your Correct. versions of the things of the whatever until I do. Yes. And in IT, the vast majority of people have seen things deleted and just go, oh, my God, that's like another week's worth of work, right? Correct. Or those catastrophic things happening are on a wider scale because they impact more of the organization. So that's why those processes are in place and why the organization is like, I am 100% okay with that overhead because we're, we're making sure we we're double redundancy, right? Like redundant, 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 so that we're always safe and running well. Whereas the opposite side of that is kind of the, the conversation to some degree we had on Tuesday. Just the differences between the priorities of business versus IT, um, but as as we're pushing more of these technologies and things front facing into the business, I, I do agree with you. I think the win is where it's it's simplified enough where yes, it's part of a process, but it's not something I have to go spend a ton of time to learn or understand. I'm just following it. Mm -hmm. the, exactly. The real right. benefit. The real benefit though is of these things for the BICOE. Um, or the teams that are managing yes. a lot of this is as at like one of the things we talk about a lot is reports that are crashing the system, like just poor practices that are being deployed and 
costing the money they're costing the business a lot of money mm-hmm. if you start to put frameworks around these things it's very easy for the technical teams to come in and integrate or come in and see what the problem is or look at like all of as these things enhance are the rules being followed are you you know like whatever mm-hmm. other cases there are because we now have insights into this file um and the all of the artifacts within it you can triage and figure things out much faster. And I also think it would also, it eases that path of like, how do you go from a personal report or a team report to a much wider audience, cross-departmental, large scale within the organization? Because that should follow a curve or a process into a team that manages that. Yes, exactly. And, and this is where this makes a ton of sense where it's like, okay, great. Now I have visibility in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. We're going to pull this up and in and we're going to run it through uh, a, a process or a series of tools that allow us to understand like what you're doing, because that that has been the conversation for forever in that. Like, how do I go in and, you know, enhance or tweak or refine or performance tune or do all these things on a report? Because mm-hmm. you're going to need to do it on everything, every single thing that comes up through the business. And just remember. You need you need to build you need to build all those things for just twelve dollars, right? You know, from from our example yesterday, you know, build all the yeah. things, add all the Git, <laughs> remember, do all the check-ins, but just do it for twelve dollars a month. Like, I mean, it's it's like this yeah. idea of like I want everything, <laughs> but it's got to be cheap. <laughs> and and that's the thing though, it's like as long as it's a one, two, three click, right? That's yeah, fine. I'll follow you. I'll follow your thing. It's, exactly it's, right. Yeah. And 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 then and that's really my, really my main point. My main point is right. There's like there's an easy version of this one, and there's like a you know. What is it? What is in Duke Nukem? There was like there was like two versions of like in Duke Nukem. There was like you oh, know right. baby mode, and it had like the the guy had like a little yeah. nookie in his mouth or a, a a pacifier. Then it had like ultra hard, and he's like war mode. Like I feel like this is one of these situations where it's like okay, there is an easy mode to this, and then there's like Hardcore. epic mode, <laughs> like it's and like let's do checking of reports, let's do automated everything, like extra hard mode. And I have found when I do automations and deployments of things, like you get to that point where there is ultra hard mode on things like this. And you just got to spend time learning it to get comfortable with it and not, it's not a normal business user uh, mentality, right? It, 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 some business users will like it and want to do it. Others will not. And, yeah. and a majority I think will not. So this is a, but this is a good story though. That's an, that's an easy, that's an easy win for a coe or like oh, if totally. you're setting a, if you're setting a process and the yes. business is like nope we're not doing it like, yep no you are and and as long as you have it like sponsorship like that should be a no-brainer like correct why would you be forcing these people to do it because with four clicks we ensure that they're not going to destroy their lives oh okay well that makes great sense do it <laughs> exactly yeah and and also it provides visibility to the entire org- so now you have all the richness of whatever all the code that lives inside your Azure DevOps. So if you ever need to go get access to multiple teams reports across like, so let's imagine there's a problem in some team and you're trying to support them, right? It makes it much easier from a support standpoint to show up and say, okay, what workspace are you? Okay. Yeah, I know. Okay. Let me see. Okay. What Git are you in? Okay, great. You can go right to the Git and you can pull down those reports individually and say, okay, I can see what your problem is. You can go, go to their problem specifically. You don't need access Mm -hmm. to SharePoint. You don't need access to other stuff everything's in you can now have oversight of all the reports across all the things so many so many doors to open so many doors yeah so many doors 
All right. With that, I think we've definitely exhausted this topic around Git and Git replacement pieces. I think there's going to be more coming for this. Um, I also think there's more challenges coming with this, depending if you're pro or premium user, because I think you can use Git in both situations, but the pattern in which you use it would be slightly different. So there's going to be different patterns, I think, as the licensing applies here. Regardless, this just means we have consulting jobs for the next foreseeable future. I mean, I think we, we're good. Like, thank you, Microsoft, for giving me a career that I can continue to invest in long term. You know, I appreciate that. But with that, let's wrap. Uh, thank you all for your time. The comments have been awesome. So thank you, everyone, for commenting and chatting things here. Um, some of them are really funny. So I really appreciate the funny comments. I enjoy a good laugh in the morning. Uh, it helps with my therapy session that is the podcast. So. <laughs> If you like this content, if you felt like this was a, a good topic to start getting your head around, this new thing, uh, I recommend share it with somebody else. Uh, impress your knowledge to your friends by talking to them about Git and how well you know Git from listening to the podcast. Like, I think we should introduce Git. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I wouldn't go that far. But it's a new we buzzword. <laughs> we do appreciate your listenership. We do appreciate everyone uh, sharing this as much as possible. So we, we appreciate it. If you like this conversation, if you know John Kursky, please send him this episode. I'm pretty sure John Kursky would love to jump in on this and have some comments here later on. He's he's like Mr. DevOps for Power BI. He's like all about it. So uh, get him involved here as well. If you know him, send him a link to it and, and bombard him with links. It'd be kind of funny. Uh, with that being said, we appreciate it. Please share. Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? You can find us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a rating. Helps us out a ton. If you have a question, an idea, or a topic that you want us to talk about in a future episode, head over to Power BI Tips slash podcast. Leave your name and a great question. Finally, join the conversation live every Tuesday and Thursday, 7.30 a.m. Central, and join the conversation on all Power BI Tips social media channels. Awesome. Thank you all so much. Appreciate your time. We'll see you next time.